sometimes you just sit through a two hour movie and you're watching the end credits and a wave just comes over you and you think, I, I quit. I quit. (laughs) I quit. (laughs) I quit, Mr. White. Hey fam, welcome to another episode of Stay Watching Mondays at the Movies. As always, I'm your host, Larry McAllister II. This week, as you might have guessed from that intro, was a rough week at the movies. And I went into the week thinking, or the the weekend I should say, or a little bit before the weekend. I, I actually started a little bit early this week because I had a chance to see... The Dead Don't Die uh, early. Um, And uh, I had a lot of uh, good faith in that movie going in. And so I saw that and I saw Dark Phoenix and I saw The Souvenir and it was a rough one. Let me tell you. Um, And it's not to say that, you know, two of these movies have pretty redeeming qualities, but I felt the need to add a fourth movie this week just to see if I could salvage anything worthwhile. So I also watched the Netflix original film, I Am Mother. One of the topics that I realize I'm probably going to be talking about on an upcoming episode of the regular stay watch and rotation is probably wasting your money on bad movies um this week was was definitely an exercise in that luckily i you know i i've talked about it a lot again i i do not get any sort of kickback from them i kind of wish i did sometimes but i am a proud uh subscriber to the amc stubs a list and so you know with that i pay about 20 bucks a month and i get to see three movies a week on pretty much any one of their screens. So that includes IMAX, 3D, Dolby, everything like that. So I get to see a lot of movies for a pretty low price. And so half the time, I, I don't really complain if I see something that's bad because, hey, next week I get to see three more movies and hopefully, you know, one or two of them might be better than the ones that I saw the week before. So So just because of my feelings on most of these movies that I've watched this week, this might be a little bit of a shorter roundup episode. I know everybody likes a quick hitter. Um, Just tell you what you should not waste your money on or what you should not waste your time on. So um, strap in. Hopefully we can do this one quick. So the first film that I'm going to talk about this week is The Dead Don't Die, a new film by Jim Jarmusch. Um, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, He's a pretty big guy in the independent film scene. Um, And uh, it technically opens uh, the the week that you're listening to this on. So it should open on June 14th. 
Um, and so, like I said before, the the theater that I go to had uh, an advanced screening of the film. Um, so I am a big fan of zombie movies. I saw that it was a zombie comedy. Uh, from the trailer, I got some vibes of something kind of like, uh, you know, Shaun of the Dead meets Hot Fuzz, but a little bit more deadpan or a little bit more, uh, yeah, dry. Um you know, and so I thought I was going to get something that I would probably pretty thoroughly enjoy. Um, the basic premise of the movie is that something weird is going on and zombies depend on a descend on a very sleepy town. Uh, and, you know, to be fair, there's some funny jokes and moments, but it, it doesn't do enough to kind of keep you engaged. It is a very, very, very slow burn. And, you know, one of the things that, that kind of bothered me the most about this film was kind of that emptiness to it. Um, you know, not to say that every film that we see needs to be filled, you know, wall to wall with things happening. Uh, but I can say that, like, for a movie that's almost two hours long, you know, you you definitely want a little bit more going on. There are some points where I felt myself kind of getting a little sleepy watching it, um, you know, and that's that's not that's the fault of of Bill Murray or Adam Driver, who are kind of your two main protagonists in the film. Um, you know, it, it it's an interesting, strange film with this weird all star cast or I can't even say all star um you know there there are a lot of um what I would call character actors who are kind of showing up in this and then some also just weird kind of celebrity cameos I mean you know on the actor side you have Tilda Swinton once again playing an ultra weird character I mean that's kind of her claim to fame um you have uh people like the RZA and Iggy Pop and Selena Gomez showing up. Uh, Steve Buscemi is in there. Danny Glover. And, it, and you know, like, it, it's interesting that all of these people signed on for this thing. And I wonder if they thought they were going to be doing something a little bit different in this film or would be a part of something a little bit different. Um because again, like I, I think where where Shaun of the Dead is, you know, kind of this brisk, incredibly funny zombie movie surviving a zombie apocalypse movie, this never quite reaches that kind of level. Um, it's a very unsubtle film. Uh, there are a lot of digs at classic, uh, you know, zombie film directors like George Romero, and it's it's not subtle about it um there are a lot of glances uh towards the audience a lot of fourth wall breaking that just doesn't quite work in the way that i feel the director thinks it does um and while again some of those moments land very well a number of them do not and it doesn't make for a really enjoyable film Someone had asked me on social media the other day if I would recommend it, and I, I can't really in good conscience. You know, I know some people are going to enjoy this and take a lot away from it and, and really love it. But as, you know, as a fun summer zombie comedy, this is not that. 
Um, and, you know, honestly, I, I'm, I'm sure you've got, you know, some movies in your back catalog that might be well worth watching before this one. The second movie that I saw this uh, week weekend uh, was Dark Phoenix. So this is the end of the almost 20 year long X-Men film franchise. Uh, And as much as we probably all would have loved if that last film could have been Logan, um, it was kind of the perfect exclamation point on the entire thing. this it really goes out with a whimper um you know you hope for a lot more but when you get um i believe his name is simon kinberg who wrote x-men the last stand x-men 3 um you know the last time we had this kind of dark phoenix story to direct another dark phoenix film there's so much that just felt borrowed from that film before and sure they'd kind of they kind of pushed out the mutant cure subplot and just focused on the phoenix and even with doing that they still couldn't uh couldn't make it work so you know the basic premise of this one if you have not seen the trailer it's basically this cosmic entity enters gene gray and destruction ensues and so it's up to the x-men to stop their friend uh, before she destroys the world. And, you know, again, it's it's one of those tough things where I, when X-Men First Class came out, I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of it. But, you know, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender gave really good performances. Uh, I've kind of historically not been the biggest fan of Jennifer Lawrence. I think she is too sleepy in most of the roles that she's in, especially ones where she should be more energetic, um, but we often don't get that from her. Um, And this is no exception. Like she is literally phoning it in, in this film. And, you know, that takes away a lot from it. Um, You know, again, like some of the performances, like, McAvoy and Fassbender still do a good job. Uh, Nicholas Holt as B still does a good job. Uh, some people that I would have liked a little bit more from or better performances from are, are Ty Sheridan, who plays Cyclops. Um, you know, realistically, Nightcrawler and Storm aren't even really a part of this film. Like, they're there, they do stuff, but they're not interesting. Quicksilver is barely in it despite having some of the best moments in both Days of Future Past and X-Men Apocalypse. Um, So I was a little surprised that he was underused. Another person that was kind of tragically underused in this film uh, was Jessica Chastain. And so um, I can't talk too much about her character without just sliding into spoiler territory. And I know it's, it's not a great movie, so probably most of you wouldn't care. Um, but you know, she is essentially acting in a way that in the way that her character was probably exactly written. And, you know, while that's fine, she's doing the job that she was asked to do. Um, it just feels like such a waste of a a pretty fantastic actress. Um, and so, 
you know, again, like it is, it's not a good film. Um, I know a lot of people have kind of been wondering, like, how does it stack up against some of the worst X-Men movies? Um, I personally don't think this is in the bottom tier, uh, but it is forgettable. And for some people, I know that's an automatic death sentence for a movie. Um, for me, it doesn't mean that it's the worst thing ever. I mean, I wrote a list that you can check out on my blog, uh, lm2photo.com, um, where I kind of ranked uh, the X-Men films. And for me, the, the ones that are worse than this, I still think The Last Stand is a worse film than this, even though... Um, I would say there are a lot more memorable moments and there's a lot more stuff that I would actually go back and watch again in The Last Stand. It is still a worst movie, a worst movie. Um, I mostly go back to it to laugh at it. Um, you know, X-Men Apocalypse is also worse than this one. That's the basically the movie preceding this one um you know and that's the thing like none of the setup that was supposed to go into this film was really done adequately in that one um and i've been watching a few things that talked a little bit about that um after i wrote the piece that i did uh but you know apparently the way it was supposed to go was x-men first class then something like apocalypse and then um, doing like a Days of Future Past storyline after we've kind of been introduced to the younger X-Men a little bit earlier on and then kind of potentially going into like a, a Dark Phoenix uh, story again. So, um, yeah, it just it doesn't work in that way. And and, and again, just, just to finish out that that list of the worst, I think X-Men Origins Wolverine is for me still the worst X-Men movie. But like I said, you can go and read my thoughts on all of that on my blog. Um, I think you'll have some fun with it. The third movie that I saw this weekend was The Souvenir, directed by Joanna Hogg. Basically, the premise of this film is a shy filmmaker played by Honor Swinton Bierne. I guess that's how her last name is present, uh, pronounced. Um, who, she's the daughter of Tilda Swinton. Enters into an incredibly toxic relationship with a douchebag. And the whole thing wastes two hours of your life and will make you want to walk out on the film. And I am not the only one that feels that way. So when I went to the theater to see this film, um, I figured because it was more kind of on the, the independent side of things, there'd be a much smaller audience for it. Uh... And so there were maybe, you know, 10 people in the theater um, watching it with me. And uh, the couple immediately in front of me walked out of the film maybe 40 minutes or so in. A lot of other people were squirming throughout, checking their cell phones, checking their watches, um, going out to get more concessions to make the time go by faster. And it... It really struck me. This is one of those films. And you know, let me preface this with, I know that Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregate of reviews. And so when something has a high Rotten Tomatoes 
you know, score, it doesn't necessarily mean that the film is great. It just means that there are more positive reviews than negative reviews. So with that in mind, this is a film that has that 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of the top critics actually have incredibly high praise for this film, ranking it very, very highly. Um, and what you'll see if you go onto the site for this film is that audiences have a very different interpretation uh, of this film, and it's sitting around like 31% for audiences. And I can tell you for certain that the audience that I saw this film with was definitely down in that 30s, possibly lower uh, kind of range. One woman actually asked when the credits started to roll and the lights came up, did anybody actually enjoy that? And, you know, it struck me like all I could do was laugh. Like as the credits rolled, I actually slumped over, put my head in my hands and just started laughing because realistically, I spent two hours watching nothing this film um, and, and I had a whole conversation with with this lady who asked this question and her husband as we exited the theater. And, you know, we, we got to talking about it. It's like, what were the redeeming qualities of that film? And it's like, I guess Honor had a good performance, but it was so understated that I don't know if she actually did anything. And it, it wasn't understated in the way that you're like, oh man, like this is acting, like you're giving me a lot of face and I can feel all of the emotions and everything like that. There was, there was almost nothing there. And the film had almost nothing to say, or it felt like it had too much to say. Um, one of the big things, and I know this is a fault of mine, for a very long time, I was kind of anti the independent film scene uh, because I often felt that the films presented in that space were way too pretentious. And this for me is like the epitome of that. A film about a filmmaker struggling with their craft, trying to make it work, talking about all of the things that, that kind of go into their thought process behind it while also dealing with this really bad relationship should be kind of amazing and interesting and something that, you know, creatives or the creative at heart can really get behind. But when it comes out the way that this film did, you feel completely detached from it. There is no entry point for you as an audience member. And I feel like part of the reason that top critics might be giving this film a lot of love is because they feel like they're in somehow a part of this in crowd that somehow has a better kind of place to not necessarily enjoy this movie, but they feel kind of duty bound to not, you know, drag it through the muck like it deserves. You know, I saw one critic who is, you know, stating that the film is beautifully shot and I'm just looking at it and I'm like, some of the compositions are terrible. There is some really bad cinematography in this. And there are certain times when they feel like they're trying to do something good, but it just doesn't work. 
the audio mixing is so horrible that there are certain points where you can't even make out what's being said. And, you know, I went to see this in a pretty decent theater with a good sound system that I've seen a ton of other movies in. And, you know, some scenes were loud and you could hear every single word. Other scenes that seemed to be shot in the same way had this had you were unable to intelligibly make out anything that's happening and and i i can feel myself getting worked up about this but like i actively hated this movie i wouldn't wish it upon anybody and i know i know i probably have some you know film friends who are going to be like i love this movie i felt like it had so much to say you're completely wrong these performances are great the cinematography is amazing we're gonna have to agree to disagree because this is not a good film it's not it just isn't and you know i I kind of get constantly reminded of this brings me back to the whole Steven Spielberg, like anti Netflix conversation where it's just like, Hey, you have some people like the director of this film who also wrote the screenplay who, you know, they're these kind of darling people who are going to be able to get their film picked up and get it distribution. And they're going to have this garbage that's in theaters yet other creators who don't have, you know, the pedigree or they don't have the connections or they don't have the esteem, whatever it may be, will never have a chance to get their film shown. Yet we have to sit through two hours of this garbage and we don't actually get to see new ideas from different voices and different perspectives. And I don't know, it just, it felt like so much smoke was trying to be blown up our anuses as we were sitting in that movie. I I just... Yeah, I I feel that there were basically no redeeming qualities for this film. Um, If you have a different opinion, please let me know. I'd really love to hear from somebody who actively enjoys it. I, I, I want to try to understand what people saw in it. So the last film that I watched, uh, mostly to try to get the souvenir out of my head, was a Netflix film called I Am Mother. So I Am Mother is the, I guess it's the feature directorial debut of John Spator. Spatore, not 100% sure how it's pronounced. Uh, he's actually a commercial director, like a guy who directs commercials, like what you see on TV. Um, and I guess I don't know much about the making of this film. Maybe I should have looked it up before, but uh, I kind of just found what was new on Netflix and was like, let me give this a shot. It sounds up my alley. Um, but, uh, he kind of made the jump from directing commercials to directing this film. And so the basic premise is that the last human on earth is being raised by her robotic mother. Um, but is everything as it seems. And so this film is a, a kind of dystopian sci-fi thriller um and you know if you've seen the trailer you kind of know or have a sense of where it's going to go uh but what i what i found myself liking about this film is just kind of like the scope of it i i'm a big fan of science fiction and sci-fi thrillers that have a very tight kind of cast i mean realistically there are only like three characters in this entire thing and i think they're actually used pretty well we get some decent performances from everybody that's involved um and i 
you know, for for an for a two hour ish movie, um, you know, I wasn't too bored throughout, uh, which is something that that often happens for me. I I've said it before and I will say it again. I really wish more directors would kind of stick to like an hour and a half, um, you know, a movie that I'm going to be seeing next week, uh, Men in Black International. Uh, everything's been reporting that it's about an hour and a half, and that has me really, really excited. Um, it's been a long time since I, I've gotten to go to a movie and, you know, have it still be daylight by the time I leave. Um, so that's something to look forward to. But again, the, like this film... I thought it has an interesting premise, though there are certain aspects of it that that seem well tread. Um, you know, again, whenever there's kind of these last person on Earth kind of stories or only person with a, you know, mechanical being or a computer, robot, android, whatever you're going to call it, like your mind kind of automatically goes to some places and I'm not going to pretend like this film doesn't fully escape all of those tropes. Um, I won't spoil what happens, but I do think they did a pretty good job of subverting some aspects of it. Um, and it actually turned out to be a, a pretty, pretty decent thriller. Again, you know, not to say that uh, a Netflix film is a lower quality than what we might get in theaters, because I don't believe that's the case. I mean, if you listen to the last Mondays of the movies, you know, I was, you know, praising always be my maybe, um, you know, but I mean, that's the thing. Netflix allows the space for some of these things that, you know, probably wouldn't get that theater distribution to have a place to live. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are probably going to find this thing. They'll have not known anything about it and they're going to find it to be a pretty enjoyable little ride. You know, maybe something that they were looking for, especially if they are into this kind of vein of sci-fi. So um, I think it would it's an interesting watch if you're a big sci-fi thriller person. Uh, I'm not going to say that this is going to be your favorite sci-fi film or anything like this, but I think it's an interesting diversion, especially since, you know, it's been a little while since, you know, a big, good sci-fi thriller has come out. And so, you know, while this may not be a perfect film, it, it might kind of sate that appetite for just a little bit. So that ends another Mondays at the movies on stay watching. So I'm hoping that we're going to have a few better movies to review next week. Um, I can't say for sure if that's going to happen. I know a couple of movies that I'm going to be going to see are Men in Black International, uh, Shaft, and I can't remember the last one that's on my list right now, but it is bound to change. Um, and so it's looking like, fingers crossed, that next week will at least be a fun week at the movie. It may not be the best week at the movies, but if it can give me some laughs and some decent action, I think I will take that over what I just suffered through this week. Um, 
But yeah, as always, I would really love to hear what your thoughts are. If you've seen any of these movies, definitely hit me up. Let me know what your thoughts are at Larry Tron pretty much everywhere on social media. If you want to send me an email, hit me up Larry at LM2photo.com. Um, as I've been plugging the last couple of weeks, I am now a part of the Hard Knock Media Podcast Collective. Um, and so Hard Knock Media is the basically the podcast multimedia production end of the nerds of color. Um, place for all things nerdy and people of colory on the internet. Um, some of the great shows that they have our hard knock life uh, which is basically an update on all of the really cool nerdy things going on in the nerds of color universe uh, you have stuff like dc tv classics looking at the history of dc comics southern fried asian which looks at the kind of experience of asian americans growing up in the united states south and a whole bunch of other shows that i will be getting around to kind of doing some different plugs on in the coming weeks so um definitely check out hard knock media hard spelled the normal way noc media.com um and yeah so um if you didn't listen to the last episode of the regular stay watching feed i sat down with zach morrison to talk about peak tv definitely check that episode out itunes was having a couple of issues so the episode didn't go out quite at the normal scheduled time that i would put it out um but it is still up there if you are subscribed it's in your feed just make sure that you give it a listen you just queue it up right after this one especially if you love hearing my voice um in the next coming in the next couple of weeks i have a few episodes planned uh i'm going to be talking about sports and why we love them with a good friend of mine in another upcoming episode, we'll be talking about the depiction of masculinity in Jane the Virgin, which is going to be coming to an end very, very soon. Um, so if you want to hear those and so much more, make sure that you are subscribed on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, definitely throw me a rating. Let me know what you think of the show. It helps other people find it. You know, ratings, reviews are super super important in getting you know these kind of shows out there you know we don't have that wnyc budget or we you know new york times or anything like that so any help that we can get spreading the word on this show is greatly appreciated um so yeah you know we have a lot of really good fun stuff coming up in the future and i can't wait to talk to you all again soon fam so as always i'm larry this has been stay watching take it easy fam Peace.